0: everybody it's Brian thanks for tuning in if you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce South King or Thurston County please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust he will also donate $500 to Ben's fund for every closed transaction I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interest in mind John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash HB. Again, altitude-re.com slash HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Everybody, and welcome to Real Hawk Talk. I don't even remember which episode number this is, but we're in like the 62, 63 range. Um, we're getting up there, and uh, it's a big show tonight. I'm looking forward to uh, welcoming back our uh, intrepid crew. We got two of the three already on, I'll bring them aboard in a second. And we've got Jeff Simmons already battling internet connection problems, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how that happens. It's always a, an exciting. Uh, exciting experience with Jeff, but um, before we get into to the list of stuff, um, you know, uh, it's a great time uh, as we're heading into. Uh, we've been doing OTAs, we've been getting a lot of new news about what's going on in the off season. We're about to head into training camp and uh, soon. Now's the time. Subscribe. Take a real quick second. Subscribe to the the channel on YouTube. Subscribe in your latest uh, greatest podcast um, aggregator, whether it's uh, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Google Play, iTunes, all those things. Um, we're live and available, um, and you know, listen to past episodes if you haven't already. There's a lot of great content from the off season. Every time you listen to an episode, it it helps, and uh, uh, you know, we're still growing the show. So um, the more you guys listen, the more you share. If you don't want to subscribe, tell somebody about the show. Um, it's a great way to just expand the show, um, grow the profile, we'll get you know better and better guests uh, along the way. Maybe soon you won't need any of us, we'll just have someone better that just replace all of us, so it'll be great. Um, and then also uh, join over at Patreon, become an insider, so patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hawkblogger, super easy, um, and toying with the idea, I haven't even broke this with the fellas yet, I'm toying with the idea of, I do a ring of honor. Um, dinner, uh, usually a Daniel's broiler every year for our top uh, donors. I'm thinking about expanding that as a fundraiser and letting folks join and get the Hawk Blogger community together with the guys um, and see how much we can do. So if that's something you're interested in, um, you know, hit, hit us up, let us know and uh, might be able to organize something, get the guys all together, maybe even get Evan and Jeff here um, and uh, raise a lot of money all at once for a great cause. So spend uh, a night talking about the Seahawks. So. That's all the the early news. Now that we've got uh, our our Canadian brother back on, let's go ahead and introduce everybody. Um, Evan, um, at Evan on HB, uh, do you still eat in and out burgers or have you completely switched over to Italian food after your uh, lovely trip across the
1: the water? I am Unashamed to report that authentic Roman cu- cuisine, like, absolutely blew my mind. I didn't not taste a single thing except for that, like, chicken liver. That kind of wasn't really my thing. I forget what it's called, some weird word. But the fir- to answer your question, it was like 2 a.m. when we got back into Phoenix. Do you know where I went? Or it wasn't 2 a.m. because In-N-Out wasn't closed. Do you know where I went? At like midnight, 1 a.m. Where? God's greatest gift to humanity. Like local in and out. So,
0: (laughs) I think that's probably one of the only people that would ever go from Italy and feel like, God, I've got to get back to the food I love.
1: (laughs) I have never missed garbage American food so badly. Seriously. Why? How could you possibly? It's a completely different category of food. There's garbage American food and then way better Italian authentic food. But you realize being you know away from it for for a while, how much you miss bad, nasty, greasy food.
0: <laughs> well, we are happy to have you back. Um, not I, I will say, and I already mentioned to you, Evan, like the first comment in the chat before the show even started is when can we start making fun today about Evan wearing youth XL jerseys?
1: Hey, they're a fucking discount, okay. <laughs> It's There's a market 70, inefficiency. It is a market inefficiency and I'm exploiting it because it's the same as an adult small. It's $25 cheaper. I'm five foot nine. I weigh 175 pounds. It's a t-shirt fit. And I'm not walking around like I'm wearing like a DJ Fluker size game day jersey on some, you know, small person. So it's it's a hack. It works well.
2: <laughs> I gotta say, I actually respect it
0: a lot. It's it's, yeah. it's a smart move. Yeah, the you're only just... part I don't respect about it is I think it's a, it's a hipster look that you're going for like tight fitting, you know, uh,
1: well, hold up. It's not it's not like <laughs> it's not that tight, though. Like it's just a normal t shirt fit.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, all right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy you that. Um, and we'll come back to which jersey you bought because that's actually news. But that's a little bit later in the show. Um, uh, next at uh, Nathan E11 Nathan Ernst, man, it's been a little while. Uh, how you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy to be back. I mean, Evan's got his trip to Italy. Jeff, we're going to talk about his Canadian news in a second. What don't we know about what's been going on for Nathan over the last month? Uh,
2: The Ernst household has been battling a stomach bug, which has been a whole bunch of fun. Uh, But yeah, nothing nearly as exciting as uh, what Evan
0: has been up to. So I'm trying to paint the combination paints, maybe the wrong word uh, of, of stomach bug. And I think you were still going through potty training. Did potty training finish before the stomach bug hit or how did that go? You know, we've made
2: strides in the potty training. Uh, We're in a pretty good place there. So that's not so bad anymore, but. uh...
0: Okay. The combination of, of uh, potty training and stomach bug at the same time could have been really, really bad. And, and, uh, Nathan was so excited that he froze. We'll, we'll see if, now no, he's back. Okay. Um, and I was going to take a screenshot of the
2: awesome face that you're, did you freeze again? No, you're back. You're just making that weird face again.
0: All right. I make weird faces all the time. It wasn't because it. it was froze. It was just your face. Never mind then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, last, but certainly not least, and we're all crossing our fingers when he unmutes, that, that you all get to hear his glorious uh, voice in full, uh, uncut um, words, Jeff, at real Jeff Simmons on on Twitter, dude. Canada, you know, I, I think I've uh, I'm right. All of the United States outside of the Bay Area is cheering for Canada to win the NBA title. How does that feel?
3: Very weird.
0: Wow, we almost got a full sentence. Is it working? Oh, it was kind of okay.
3: Yeah. So the Raptors have been irrelevant pretty much my whole life. No one's even known they exist. I remember I went to LA a couple of years ago. People were like laughing about how bad the Raptors were. It's weird having like the whole country here and cheering for the Raptors. It's, it's so weird to me. And it's just crazy that they're playing against the Warriors, like the dynasty of our generation and that everyone's cheering for them. It's so bizarre to me. They've been so irrelevant for so long. Like, you guys talk about Seattle sports all the time. Toronto sports might be far worse than that. And all of a sudden, we got a team in the finals. I was out celebrating on Saturday night. It was pretty cool. I didn't get to experience, like, like what Seattle was like when they won. So it's cool. We're in the finals. The game's at home tomorrow. We got home court advantage. I don't want to rub it in. I know you guys lost your NBA team, so it's... Cool. It's just cool. We got the finals coming up tomorrow night. These podcasts are great. These get me back on Pacific time. All the games start at nine PM here, so everyone's freaking out. I'm used to being up late, so it's great for me. But yeah, that's it's so exciting right here right now.
0: Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. I, I uh, as a Long time Trailblazers fan, I will tell you that that uh being up by 17 or 18 points doesn't really mean much. So and doing it in three straight games also doesn't mean too much. So uh, yeah, even doing it halfway through the fourth quarter, it can just all go wrong. I mean, it's I I really still haven't seen anyone be, be able to uh it's really a shame that pro basketball reference is nowhere near as useful as pro football reference.com is, like the way you can break down stats, but like you cannot anyway. I don't know that there's ever been a team that's been up by 17 points in three straight games in the playoffs and lost all three and got swept. (laughs) Like That's just weird. So, uh, you know, that's been a little painful. I I wish you guys the best. I really thought the bucks were going to be the team that, that got by and, and actually the one (laughs) warriors, but man, enjoy it while it lasts for sure. Um, all right. So, Guys, uh, we got a lot to cover. We're gonna obviously we're gonna talk about um, gonna talk about some of the latest news. Um, you know, even it, where players are signing, where they're not, including folks like Gerald McCoy. We're gonna talk about um, Nathan and, and Evan were not here when the Ziggy Anza, or they weren't at least on the show when the Ziggy Anza signing happens. So we'll we'll touch that based on that. We also haven't gotten back together since Doug and uh, Doug retired. Um, Cam. Uh, as well. Although Cam, I think we pretty much have already talked about. I don't think that was really new news. And then uh, a bunch of the rookies and what's going on there. Um, And I'm going to start with a total crazy Ivan, because I saw somewhere in the chat that people were already talking about this player and it's not on any of our radars, but I want everyone on this pod on the record right now, before training camp, before you see him is Rashad Penny going to be a good player this year
1: yes no question
0: and what does that mean to you evan what does a good player mean for what does it what does it mean for rashad Penny to be a good player this year what does a
1: successful season look like i'd probably say 1k plus rushing yards if if he can split you know the bell cow role with with chris carson or maybe even if carson goes down he assumes that role you know Four-plus yards per carry would be awesome. Um, what we really want to see, at least in my opinion, from Rashad is is that explosiveness that we saw that burst towards the end of, of the 2018 season. There was a lot of talk early on in the 2018 season that uh, – I'm not sure if this was confirmed, but that he was like a few pounds overweight. I think maybe Pete even talked about it briefly in a press conference. I could be hallucinating, but I None think that, that happened – did that happen? I think Nathan he said was yes. on
0: the Russell Wilson offseason diet.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, he dropped some weight, and it looked and it, it looked clearer. You know, even in the Rams game, um, he, he you know he he broke some some good runs late in the season, and he started to show some of that flash as to why maybe they selected him in the first round. So um, yeah, I'd love to see that burst. I'd love to see that explosiveness. I'd like to see some big plays from him and uh, he's got, he's got to compete for it though, because Chris Carson right now, I think if you asked hundred percent of fans, I'd say 95% of them, you know, believe Chris Carson is the lead back right now. So he's going to have to fight for time. All right. So what
0: I heard from you and just, uh, reshared for the whole world, um, coming from the person who said he was going to tattoo Rashad Penny's face on his chest and his eyeballs on his nipples. Uh, is that he's going to have a successful year, and successful year, and 100% guaranteed he's going to have a successful year, and a successful year is 1,000 yards. So that's a very evan ask prediction. Uh, I like that you're back on the, the aggressively unrealistic, uh, you
2: know. Is it
1: really unrealistic with how well, much so they are going to run the ball, though?
0: Like- I'm curious.
2: If Penny rushes for 1,000 yards, how many yards does Carson rush for?
1: Uh, depends if there's an, in- I mean, I'd say like 800 and he has an injury.
2: So you think that Penny's going to get there through injury?
1: Yes, probably.
0: All right. Carson is nurse, you had a surgery. We, we don't know all the details about that. Who knows what will happen there? Nathan, coming come coming to you next. Will on record, will Rashad Penny have a successful year and how do you define that? Is that for me? That's for you, Nathan. Oh, um, no,
2: because running backs don't matter. And so, this idea of a good year for a running back, I mean, I don't know that he's going to do anything that most. Thanks
0: for the question, man. You know what we're talking about. The
1: Linux nerds. Oh, my God. Relative to
0: his importance, like, you, like, can we agree he was not good last year? Like, right? Like, he wasn't I'm, good. I'm going to say he, he, he was,
2: he will not have a good year because they are going to try to run him and running is ineffective and that
0: will hurt the team. That's and so he will question. have. That's a different question. Come on, play. Well, what option. is good though?
2: Like, what are we considering good then?
0: What do you consider good? Um,
2: a relative EPA position. If he, if he can have a positive but then that's not even really fair to him because a lot of that's going to be about how he's used, but, um, I mean, he'll be fine. He was fine last year. He'll be fine. That's this year. That's the most
1: lukewarm take. Because <laughs>
2: he's kind of a lukewarm player. I'm like, <laughs> what? Okay, he busted that one run where he like reverse field and everything and came back around. That was cool, but like, it was
1: more than one run. I was sweating bullets in the Rams game because he had multiple breakaways. I remember this very well. Trust yeah, he's me. He's not. <sighs>
2: I mean, okay, like, if you want to talk about him in comparison to Chris Carson, like, how many dudes did Rashad Penny hurdle? How many times did he, like, no, but, like, Carson did it twice last year. Like, let's not, like, I know it's a stupid thing, but, like, how many dudes did he meet at the goal line, you know, hit him, bounce off of him, and then, like, you know, four or five yards move sideways until he can punch it in? You know Carson had some of these ridiculous goal line carries. Carson was very effective
0: in short yardage. So let me
2: Penny didn't show us anything like
0: that. L- let me ask you this way, Nathan, and then I'm we'll gonna move on to Jeff. So you have a. It sounds like you have a better opinion of Chris Carson than you do of Rashad Penny. Is sure. that is that yeah, sure? yeah. okay? So rel- if Chris Carson is a hundred, like out of a hundred, I'm not saying he is, but just relatively speaking, where do you think Penny was last year relative to that hundred, and where do you think Penny will be this year relative to that? And like 50 is like just an average running back? 50 is relative to where Chris Carson was last year. Sorry, oh. 100, 100 being, you know, where Christian Carson was last year, 50 being, you know, half of what Chris Carson was last year. Where was Penny last year? Where do you think Penny is this year? 60, 65. And do you see any change? Do you see, it's basically, you expect the same player last year that, that you saw this year. This I mean, year? The, the weight loss thing is real.
2: Um, this was something that, like, people thought about at the time because people said hey you know penny looks kind of out of shape and people are like no he's just big and he's just a man and then at the end of the year when he started playing better he was like yeah i've lost like 20 pounds and it's like so that was real and so maybe maybe he gets a little improvement out of that but you know i don't think running backs are the type that really have huge gains in their career so no i would not expect massive improvement okay. from him all, all right could I- you
1: give him a little bit of grace he moved to an area with matador nachos with easy <laughs> accessibility. As we all know, amazing would've... Matador nachos. Best nachos in the world. I don't understand
2: whole. how that would encourage weight loss. Weight, I mean, weight gain. Weight loss, maybe. If he came in at no. like 190, and it's because he was he like living above matador. matador. He gained
1: weight from Matador. You
0: understand that Nathan has no respect for Matador nachos. That plays a role in this whole...
1: Matador
2: Nachos are the Rashad
0: Penny of nachos.
2: Oh God! Okay, that's I so
1: disrespectful. That, that actually is. makes me angry. But I thought you liked Rashad Penny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you totally I'm got the podcast, uh, it. podcast.
0: <laughs> you walked right into that, Evan. Uh, Jeff, help us out here, save us, and and talk about football. What? (laughs) That
3: was good. That was a good debate.
0: Uh, You know the question. You'll answer it straight. You won't give me this bowl. So, so on record, will Rashad Penny be a good player next year? And and how do you classify it?
3: No. The answer is no. Okay. And I just think I think Penny will be a fine backup, but I think he's more of a volume player. And I don't know if he'll get the carries he needs to get that kind of volume. And he's not, as Nathan said, he's not the kind of guy who's probably going to like power through you. And he's he's going to have explosive runs and he's going to have big plays. But I don't think he's going to need to get the ball consistently. And I don't think the carries are there for him. I think Chris Carson's a really, really good player. And even Ben, who is very anti-running back, is very, very pro Chris Carson. And he was better statistically than like almost every running back in the league last year. So unless Carson gets hurt, I just see Penny as a backup running back, a change of pace guy, explosion. Maybe he'll take Mike Davis's role on third down, which was terrifying last year. But I just don't think that there's enough touches around to make him a good player. So he'll be a fine backup with some highlights like last year, probably as long as he stays skinny and can stay on the field. And I know injuries were an issue for him last year. It was the first time he's ever gotten injured. And apparently mentally that was a problem. But Overall, I'm going to go with no. I just don't think he's anything more than a backup running back.
0: Yeah, well, I will say if if Carson, you know, Carson was 100 last year, um, and I'd say Penny was maybe 50 um, oh, maybe. relative to where Carson was last year. I, I mainly agree with what you're saying, Jeff. I'll go on record as saying I think that Penny will be like a sixty to sixty-five this year, maybe up to seventy. I do think he'll be better. I think just um, more time in the saddle, and I think that less weight will help. And he did, to be honest. He had some explosive runs last year, and um, and they weren't all predictable and how they were within the framework of the offense, but they they did happen. So, yeah. I really, I am I hope that on that first day in training camp, when I get to see the guys walk on the field and you get to really see them move and see the difference that he jumps out. Cause he jumped out last year in all the wrong ways on that first day, he just looked like a very average player in every aspect. And he turned out to mostly be a pretty average player. So um, uh, I'm really hoping that <laughs> I don't know if I hope Evan's right. Cause I'm a big Chris Carson fan. And I think he's, undoubtedly the better back um and I would not want him to get injured but um I'd love Penny to to give us something to talk about um so that was not on the agenda but I love that the chat was talking about it and uh that that made for for a good conversation
1: for us well one up. thing that I just want to in- interject on super quickly yeah Chris Carson will be looking for an extension next year think about that Chris Carson is nearing the the end of his four year I mean he's entering his third year so after this season if if Chris Carson is the back of the future, we're talking extension next year. You want Penny? To, to, I think. Oh God, that's a whole topic that might absolutely blow Nathan's mind. But I, I think if you're looking at extending Chris Carson out off the 2018 season and he has, he replicates it in 2019, how can you say anything less than 11 or 12 million a year? The, the, I i cannot, i cannot have us have that conversation right now
3: not we're, yet not we're
0: yet. not like we'll we'll debate that later but there's no way that we are be spending that kind of money on a running back um and this is coming from somebody who's a, quite a big fan of the running game so wait he has two years left
2: yes
1: so they'll yeah. trade him the next he's all- entering his
2: i really though like i mean if honestly we're talking like 10 plus million we can start the. Like, Trade Carson talk now, right? And then no rush.
3: What's that? Can you even get anything for a running back in a trade?
2: I mean, if someone's going to pay him $12 million, 10 to $12 million a year. You'd yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. My God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: you know so, they're going to do it, right? It's going to happen.
0: It is most likely that they will sign him and pay him money. Yes. That, yes. that is. And I just don't want to talk about it right now. It makes me sad. So, uh, And this guy, again, I love Chris Carson and I love running game, but, but I don't want to spend money there. So a uh, lot of places we could go from here. Um, one of the things um, I want to make sure that we, that we give some time to cause it's a pretty big deal. And it came, came while you guys were gone was, was uh, the news about Doug Baldwin. And um, before we will easily get caught up in everything else and and lose time on that, um, I want to give each of you guys a chance to talk about, you know, I think we all have been talking about on this show that it wasn't a huge surprise. This is something that we kind of saw coming. I think, honestly, this show was one of the first to to see that this could be potentially coming. We're talking about this back in December um, as something that, that at least we were wondering about. Um, and it proved to be true um, unfortunately or fortunately depending on your perspective I, I wrote a, a long piece on it um, got a lot of good feedback and I appreciate folks that, that checked it out but um, Jeff let's start with you uh, you know knowing it's not totally official yet in terms of his retirement but it sure seems that way um what's where where does Doug Baldwin fit for you in in, in the NFL and you know history and um you know is he is he someone that is ring of honor material for you you know and 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 i i want to hear from all you guys like where you place him and and what you'll remember about doug baldwin and how you remember him.
3: are you on mute jeff well i definitely think he's ring of honor material i'm off now can you hear me yep we can hear you okay i definitely think he's ring of honor material I didn't watch the Seahawks in the Brian Blades era or the much of the Joey Galloway era. So he's the best Seahawks receiver I've ever watched since I started watching, which was around 2002. So Doug's one of my favorite players throughout this whole run of Pete Carroll teams. And even that 2000, his rookie season, something about his story or something about his season just jumped off the page to me. And even through all the ups and downs of his career and some of his outbursts and, even some of his like trolling of Russell. I always had a soft spot for Doug. It was something about his style of play. I always thought, I always told my buddies who are in Toronto and there's a lot of Seahawks fans here. People are fans of every team. I always told them that Doug, if he was on like the Peyton Manning offense or the Brady offense, he would have like numbers that took Wes Welker or someone like that back in those years, like through the roof. And they always laughed at me. They thought I was such a homer. They thought I was ridiculous. And then Doug had that 15-touchdown season. I think it was 2015. And ever since that point, people started seeing how good this guy was and just his route running was so special and the way he was so, so good on third down. He, he's just such a unique player in terms of like how quick his feet were, how smart he was. I, even he admitted he had some ups and downs in his career and he battled with a lot of failures. But I think he's one of the best players, probably my favorite offensive player throughout this Pete Carroll era if we ignore the quarterback for a second. And I think the Seahawks are really going to miss him, especially on third down. And it was just so much fun to watch him and watch an undrafted free agent just take over, become the number one receiver, become the alpha dog. And then the last year, he seemed to become the mentor of all these young guys and Tyler Lockett and David Moore. And just, I've loved watching him play. It's going to be hard to watch the Seahawks without him.
0: We'll come back uh, around on, on, on this one and ask you, you know, if you have a favorite memory, a favorite, something that you'll you'll think about. So uh, when you remember Doug, so so uh, take some time on that one. Nathan, I know Doug's been uh, one of your favorite players. Same kind of question to you. How will you remember him? And where, where does he fit in, in kind of Seahawks lore and, and you know, in general NFL legacy?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little sad because, you know, like, jeff was saying about like what what his career could have been you know on a team that uh passed the ball more you know or uh and maybe you wasn't like doug wasn't utilized particularly well but you know he he wasn't on a team that had that welker role really kind of you know um which he could have I, i think been you know far better than uh he would have produced far more than, than Welker or Edelman, or, you know, a lot of those guys have in, in that role. So it's a little, it's a little bittersweet because he was an amazing Seahawk. Um, one of my favorite Seahawks. So, uh, you know, obviously super glad he was a Seahawk, but then, you know, you kind of wonder about just what his career really could have been and, you know, maybe a, a situation that would have helped his numbers a little bit better. Um, but yeah, like in terms of ring of honor, I think there's, you know, for me, there's no doubt. Um, uh, Brian blades like I'm he's also predates me he has like some surprisingly good stats and stuff but I, I think it's large and, and then and then Baldwin and then you know you're talking about Blade and Galloway so I put him in the ring of honor no doubt I think he's um, even as much as he is loved I think he's an underappreciated part of um, you know that that Super Bowl era. Um, I don't know that, you know, when you start talking about players from that era, you talk about Russ, you talk about Marshawn, you talk about Cam, Sherm, you know, Earl. There's a lot of guys that come up before Doug and it's probably not fair. I mean, we you look at the, you know, the the best that we can do for like an on-off stat with Doug and uh, Seattle's efficiency is just, you know, light years different with him on the field. Um, so he is going to be missed, even though he wasn't, you know, 100% last year. I think even just, you know, going from 85% of Doug or whatever he was to, you know, rookies and David Moore. It's going to be really tough. So, um, yeah, I was definitely in my feelings for a while after the news officially broke. It's it's uh it's going to be weird not watching him out there anymore.
0: Evan, same question.
1: Yeah, yeah. Baldwin is obviously one of the most underappreciated um, contributors to this era. Era. You know, we've taken this conversation a million different ways, a million different times. But you know, strip away the whole football side of Of Doug. I will always remember Doug as being one of the most wickedly intellectual people, but also radically compassionate and empathetic. And that's a super rare combination for people who are so competitive, like Doug. He's shown that to us a million times on the broadcast. Um, So that's a super rare combination that I appreciate about him. In terms of a favorite moment, uh, It's actually that game, uh, Brian, that you and I were both at, I think, two years ago in Arizona, Russell Wilson, you know, spinning, scrambling left a million times, finds Doug. And I I think Doug had been like, maybe it was like, I think it was a Thursday night game. And it had, so like they were injured or Doug was moving slow. And I just remember him talking about his body breaking down after the game or something like that. And just his resilience in that moment. I'll, I'll, it's like it's like time sl- stopped in that moment, genuinely. It's like Doug reached up for it, and everything stopped. It was so strange. Um, yeah, so that's just probably one of my favorite moments uh, of Doug in person and or on the broadcast. Uh, yeah, I'm really going to miss him, one of the most underrated contributors of this era. And I'm a little – this is the selfish football fan of me, I'm a little bit worried to see how this passing offense is going to falter without him just because like Nathan said, the efficiency stats are so radically different with him off the field. There's absolutely going to be a, a gap there, a missing, you know, a hole there. So a little bit worried, but I love you, Doug, and we'll miss you.
0: Jeff, were you trying to say something.
1: Oh,
3: no, I was just remembering my favorite moment. And it kind of clicked what everyone was talking. Vikings game, that catch he made in that, in that freezing cold game, that was an awesome moment. That's probably the best play he ever made. But there was a game in 2015 against Pittsburgh in Seattle right after Jimmy Graham got injured. And it was kind of Doug's breakout game that year. And I don't know if you remember that game. It was a really crazy, like, back-and-forth game game where that like incredible defense gave up even seattle's defense just kept giving up these huge touchdowns and doug on like third and seven caught a ball that was like way with a tiny throw like a really low throw by russell and broke it for an 80-yard touchdown to essentially win the game and that was like the peak of that breakout offensive year pure joy from doug pure joy from watching as a fan and That just summed up Doug at his peak and how good he was and the fact that he can take, like, a little five-yard pass and do an 80-yard touchdown. That was such a cool moment for me.
0: Since we're uh, already gone on to favorite moments, do you have one, Nathan, before uh, I uh, wrap I have two. Go for it. Uh,
2: So the one – one that was really, really cool was in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay. I was lucky enough to be at the game. We're way up at the, like, nearly the very top of the stadium. And it's that last touchdown drive they had in regulation. I'm pretty sure this is the one. Like, if you go look it up, the second play, the 20 yard pass to Doug Baldwin. Um, I think that's the one. Um, and, Uh, The the play was, you know, Russell was, you know, doing Russell stuff, scrambling around, couldn't find somebody. And Baldwin is way down the field, wide ass open, like doing jumping jacks, desperately trying to get Russell's attention. And I'm up in the 300 level doing jumping jacks like he's he's open, he's open. And then he hits them and it's a big game, you know, and and that game was so amazing. So uh, that was one of my favorites with Doug. And then, of course, um, who could forget? Doug Baldwin, pooping a football in the Super Bowl. It was so, it was so perfectly Doug. I I mean, you know, you talk about a guy who's been pretty open about maybe some of his faults and some of his struggles and, but also somebody that's just, you know, amazing. And um, uh, I thought I, I, it's just a, to me, it's just such a Doug, you know, my favorite Hasselbeck moment is we want the ball and we're going to score, even though that went, you know, terribly but it was just so Hasselbeck and I feel like Doug pooping the the football was the same deal
0: <laughs> that was great I mean one of the things that's kind of um uh surprising maybe here is as big of a fan of Doug's as I am I, I don't think I don't think he's ring of honor um you know I I think that uh it's a pretty it's a pretty high bar and one of the one of the challenges with Doug is one, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, his career did not last that long in the grand scheme in terms of really being able to pile up massive numbers. I think he could have, um, and chose not to. Um, and also it's just of the nature of who he was as a player. I mean, I wrote in my article, but going back and I think, I'm not sure people, (laughs) I think it's not surprising, but if you go back and you look at the great plays, um, in Seahawks history over this tenure, you, you go back and, um, you know, in the NFC championship game in, in Green Bay, everyone remembers the John Ryan throw to Gary Gilliam on fourth down for a touchdown. But there was a, you know, third and 19 where Doug picked up 29 yards. Earlier in that drive, or there would have never been the John Ryan to Gary Gilliam play. There's the um, everyone remembers Marshawn Lynch rumbling to to tie the game at the end of that comeback. It was Doug Baldwin that sprung him on a block um, on there, or Marshawn wouldn't have ever got to the end zone on that run. Like uh, everyone remembers Jermaine Curse catching that touchdown to send us to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. It was third and seven when Doug caught a 35 yard uh pass from from uh russell that set up the pass to, to jermaine and you go on and on you remember richard sherman running back an interception against houston with you know one shoe and you go back in that game when the cx were getting their butt kick it was doug baldwin that they were backed all the way back at their own end zone and doug baldwin making a ridiculous catch along the sideline to keep the drive going it was like one of their first first downs that they had earned and then all of a sudden like so many other times when they were scuffling, one first down turned into two, turned into scores. And that's just kind of the player he was. But they were never – it was very rare for Doug to be the guy that made the play that everybody remembered and that won the game. And and I just think that it's going to be hard looking back for people to really appreciate. I think you have to do one level deeper of analysis, and most people are too lazy to do that to, to really put him in that elite category. But, you know, when I interviewed Doug after his – first season his rookie season where he set all these records for undrafted free agents in the NFL in their first year um you know he was very clear that he did not want to be known as a slot receiver like that was something he really did not like he he bristled against and you know the guy he always brought up was was Steve Smith and you know I I went back and looked at at Doug's explosive catch ratio relative to to Steve Smith and Doug was a more explosive receiver, which I think goes against what most people in the NFL will ever realize. And and I absolutely agree with Nathan and Jeff and others on this, that you put Doug in, in Pittsburgh's offense in, you know, a Tom Brady offense and a number of these other offenses. I think he's at least 50% better of a player than Julian Edelman. Um, He might be twice as good of a player as Julian Edelman. And, and uh, so it's been great. I'm um, definitely gonna miss him. Um, I think he's he's. I would say he's a class act because he is. He's he's a class act that's had some incredibly unclassy uh, moments throughout his. his that's career. how amazing Doug Baldwin
2: is. Is that he could poop a football on the Super Bowl and we'll still call him a class act.
0: Yeah, I mean, even in the same interview, the guy can just be so eloquent and say all the right things, and then just totally act like a four-year-old. You know, <laughs> uh, like it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. It's been a pleasure. I'm definitely gonna miss miss uh, watching that guy play week to week, and uh, glad we got a chance to to talk about that before we kind of move on to so so now what like the CX drafted three receivers. We started hearing a little bit about them. Um, You know, you've got DK Metcalf that I think somebody on this pod is a pretty big fan of, if I'm not mistaken. Like, might even be. Tempting fate already. Is that right?
1: I haven't bought the jersey yet.
0: You have not bought the jersey yet.
1: It's in the shopping cart. It's in the shopping cart.
0: What is going to be the clincher for when you press buy?
1: I don't know. Maybe some emotional camp highlight of him catching a football over three defensive backs in a no tackle OTA session or something like that. (laughs) Something impulsive.
0: So just when everyone's getting most excited, you're going to curse him is is what you're saying. What are you talking about? The last Jersey I bought,
1: he's a hall of Famer.
0: Um, how did that Frank Clark Jersey turn out?
1: Uh, did I buy that Jersey? i just, you picked it. Did I buy it? No. You bought it, and and what's funny is you even called it. Everybody in the Hog Flogger chat called it and was like, "I guarantee you, he gets traded now. You know, doesn't sign him, whatever." And look what uh,
0: happened. The Evan choice of jerseys has you're on a little. I had the Amon green Corin Robinson streak for a while back in the, way back in the day before you probably were born. You've got at least Rashad Penny and Frank Clark back to back. Who was who was before Penny? You have a Mike, right?
1: No, it was Tyler Lockett. Actually. I made like a public Twitter bet that if he like returned a a special teams touchdown and he did, I think against the bears. Um, this was many years ago, three or four or five years ago. I don't know. And he did. And I got his Jersey. It was like his first or second year. I don't, I don't remember It's pre-injury. All right. Well,
2: you have another regrettable Jersey though. What's, what's the one that you're not talking about?
1: No, no, no. I just have Earl, Russell, Lockett, um, and uh Penny for new jerseys.
0: All right. All right. Earl was not before was not after Lockett, because that would make it kind of a three streak. Uh Earl was my
1: first modern jersey.
0: Okay. All right. All right. So what has you? Let's get back to the player. What has you so close on the precipice to buy buying a DK Metcalf jersey? What are you expecting from him?
1: He's, he has the body I want to have. First of all, (laughs) let's be very clear here. I need to stop eating in and out and maybe I'll achieve it one day. Um, he's a stud. I think the value we got at the bottom of the second round is such a reasonable risk. You know, there were so many draft scouts who were like top 15 pick top 30 pick, you know, whatever. But I think, it's very hard to say that in the last – I think it was the last pick of the second round that that's a bad risk or that that's a bad value. Even if he you know, craps the bed and he is not a good NFL receiver, his, his, his physical traits, his athletic abilities, what he did in college is worth the risk at the end of the second round. So I'm completely comfortable with the risk they took at the spot they took him at with Doug Baldwin retiring – I think, you know, they've been looking for this big, fast receiver forever. They tried to get in Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was obviously not successful here in Seattle, even though the nerds will try and tell you otherwise. He was not what they expected him to be here. They've been looking for this person. It was first in Percy Harvin trying to get him a dynamic receiver. Then it was Jimmy Graham. It might be DK Metcalf. It might have been a young receiver who was 15 years old when they traded for Percy Harvin. And the Messiah has come, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I have to say. 1,200 receiving yar- yards and eight-plus touchdowns. That will be a stat line for the 2019 season. As a rookie? As a rookie, dude, he will like- be targeted extensively. Extensively.
0: Oh, Evan, you are so – What were the numbers again? I missed dude. It. Like 1,200 yards? Uh no, no, no I take that.
1: I take that back,
0: 1100 receiving yards, 1200. Oh, that's a big change! It, is, it Jones, is a big change, the Jones like 900. <laughs>
1: that's what no, I feel, so I didn't feel confident in the just, last 100.
0: He's
2: just going to recreate Doug Baldwin's best year ever as a rookie. That's all.
1: I mean, he's gonna be by when it's all said and done, it's, he's gonna be far better than Doug Baldwin. In his uh. And that's no disrespect to Doug Baldwin, though. <laughs> Doug just broke here. Brian. No, no, that's no, it's some not. That's disrespect to Doug Baldwin. No, Doug Baldwin is absolutely. a stud. That's a lot and of disrespect. we will always appreciate him. DK Metcalf is just going to be really freaking good.
3: I think you broke Brian there.
2: <laughs> Doug Baldwin was really freaking good.
1: Yes, he was. And I cannot wait to play this podcast in four years when we are extending him at 20 million a year. It's going to be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Oh,
1: all right, right. back.
3: Italy brought Evan
1: back. All right. Well, oh, I had
3: to
0: recharge. I'm back, baby. Uh, yeah. I think the draft also brought Evan back. He, he. John Schneider had something to crow about, and and that gets Evan charged up. So, um, and actually speaking to John Schneider and, and deleting all his t- negative tweets has has given him new life. Uh, no
1: idea what you're talking about, Ryan.
0: No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh. Jeff, before I know where where Nathan's gonna go with this, uh what what are you thinking about DK Metcalf and, and what what are you expecting based on what you've seen so far?
3: Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I know that's kind of probably in the middle between Evan and Nathan. Everyone who's been at Seahawks OTAs have been raving about him. And the thing is they they can't do much in terms of coverage. They're probably not doing much in terms of like extensive route running and trying to stop them. I think he's the kind of guy that's going to flash as a rookie, but he's a raw player that runs a limited route tree. But I think with Russell's deep ball, he is a very, very good fit in this offense. His best route is probably the go route and how he can perform in the red zone. So I think he'll be a pretty productive rookie because the Seahawks really need a split end opposite Tyler Lockett who's going to move around the offense a lot more. And I think he'll eventually usurp whoever, it's Jaron Brown or David Moore, who might open as like the opening day starter. I think they will find, and Pete is pretty good at finding like unique roles for rookies and not asking them to do too much, kind of designing what they do well and kind of basing the offense around that. So I think he'll have a flashy rookie season, but he's not. I don't think he'll anywhere, be anywhere close to what Evan said. And I think he'll score some touchdowns. He'll have some big plays, but I don't think he's ready to be that like every-down starter quite yet but i'm optimistic about him i think this is a very good fit for his skill set i think if he had to be in a position where he had to run every route and had to be in like a 60 70 passing offense i think he would get exposed a little bit but i think like the play action game and with russell's deep ball i think he actually could be a pretty productive player and i'm really excited to see him play he's such a he does have like the calvin johnson skill set he's not going to be anywhere close to that but He's maybe the most exciting Seahawks offensive prospect in a long, long time. He's
1: flawed. Did you say he wasn't going to be a starter week one? I don't think so. Who's starting over? I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to
3: say I'm going to agree with it. I think they're going to start Jaron Brown and Moore. Ugh. I I, yeah, I know, but it's Brian Schottenheimer we're talking about. It's not uh, Sean McVay. I think he'll, he'll win the, the job by week four.
0: Interesting. Well, uh, Nathan, uh, there was a rookie not so uh, second round pick not so long ago that was getting a fair amount of hype uh, during the OTAs and then um, found a uh, a four wheeler to drive um, an ATV between uh, that and training camp. Um, What's your confidence level that, that DK Metcalf will make it to training camp and 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 actually walk out on the first first day of practice?
2: I have a high level of confidence that he's not going to crash an ATV into a tree. Okay. It's,
0: good. It's, you know, it's a non-zero chance, but it's it's probably real close to zero. Okay, good. I just need yeah. to get it off my chest because let's face it, that's that's uh that's been tough to recover from. So um everything I've seen is that you are not particularly high on Mr. DeKalen Metcalf. What, what, what about him is giving you pause and, and how much of it is him and how much of it's just uh, the makeup of the Seahawks offense? Uh,
2: I'm super excited for DK Metcalf.
0: Like I see the exact
2: same thing. Everybody else sees he's huge. He's blazing fast. He's going to play in an offense with Russell Wilson. Like it's very
3: exciting.
1: Where's the butt, Nathan? Where's the butt? But. but what? But!
3: That can be interpreted very weirdly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, like someone very smart recently said, I think that the risk, like where they took him was appropriate for the risk with him, right? Like they took him at the bottom of the second round, and that's perfect because while he is very big and very fast and has a clear fit in these, this offense, there are big question marks like the dude didn't produce and i know that in like trying to trying to predict nfl production based on college production is usually very foolhardy but with receivers there is a floor like or or there is a like a, a low bar that if you don't cross they just don't have good years or good good careers like that he will be the only receiver who has caught less than 600 yards in a season in college that has gone on to be a highly productive NFL receiver, right? Like, I mean, I, I looked at from 2010 to 2014, so it's just four years, but those players have had enough time to mature. And if you go back farther, maybe you'll find one or two exceptions, but like pretty much nobody with as little production as he had in college goes on to be successful. And, like, it's not close. Like, even if you take his injury shortened year last year and you project it out and say, what if he'd been healthy the whole year? You're still talking about, like, two players in that 2010 to 2014 span, Doug Baldwin and A.J. Green. Very good. Very good exceptions. So maybe you can get hopeful there. But, like, there's just a lot in front of him. He, he has a lot to learn. You know, the, the, the beat writers got a little pissy today because they tweeted out a video of him running a route. And people were like, oh, wow, that's a bad route. And it was a bad route. Like, it's an OTA practice rep. So, like, who knows? But, like, it wasn't good. So he's got a lot to learn. And he is going to end up being a big outlier if he does go on to be very successful. But, you know, you can totally see why they took the risk where they did. And you can totally see how he can end up being a very good player. I will say, for strong disagreements, stop talking about Calvin Johnson. No one is Calvin Johnson. Don't compare people to Calvin Johnson. Don't compare people to Marshawn Lynch. Like, just stop some of that stuff. It's it's silly. Now, can he be Martavis Bryant? I think that's probably a very good hope for oh. him. Right?
1: Martavis, <laughs> Martavis Bryant was, was very a good. Player, good. Yeah, he that's got the derailed. Are you kidding me? He was a good
3: player. He Dude. just was an idiot.
2: Yeah, Mart- Martavis Bryant was a very good player who, even after I've, he had pretty much derailed his career, got traded for a third-round pick. Like, I thought, his he,
1: down, I thought his talent dropped off after he left Pitt. Or am I am I misremembering? No,
2: he's just him. a knucklehead. He okay. yeah, like the reason that Martavis Bryant hasn't continued to be good is because he's just done stupid stuff and can't get along with coaches and who knows what else. Right? I think he, he got suspended for a year and all that. So I think drugs or whatever but um, yeah like that's realistic and that could very easily be what he ends up to turn out to be like but the, the Calvin Johnson stuff just stop
0: stop no, that's hey, yeah. hey I think Josh Josh is weighing in on the chat and I think he's got it he's got it best said here where he says that uh, DK is like Calvin Johnson without the gap in his teeth so
1: <laughs> isn't
0: that Michael Strahan? Did Calvin Johnson have a gap in his teeth too? I think so Maybe it's if Josh not, says it, it's probably whenever my, Josh says something, I laugh. So you know, <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. Um, but look, I disagree with you on his ceiling. I, I think that I think his ceiling is, I think his ceiling is you know top top shelf of the NFL. Um, you know that, that is his ceiling. I think his floor is pretty high as well. You know, I think his floor is like Ricardo Lockett. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's going to be like the best player ever, but no, I'm have believing he won't be better than Ricardo Lockett. Um, and, and I think he's already got more skill and more to offer than Lockett did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's absolutely unfair to him to say that he's going to have a thousand plus yards receiving as a rookie. Like, I think there's no way, no way. And And it's not because I don't think he's good. I just in this offense and knowing how hard it is for rookie receivers even the best that have ever played to have big years as rookies it just doesn't happen so uh, you know i think i think the big thing for him is going to be can he develop more than one route you know as a rookie can he show up on more than more than just go routes look what happened with david moore last year i mean he really broke out for a while on those deep passes because that was something he could do well then he disappeared because they weren't able to find him and involve him in other parts of the offense so you know, I think that's going to be one of the questions is how variable and, and how much he can go through things. But um, yeah, I, I also am really curious to see if beyond the deep route, whether he can be a red zone target, um, because they they need those. Um, so I, I think that's, that's the big piece. <laughs> I will say I fully expect us to be having a very frustrating conversation about why the F Jaron Brown is getting snaps, and DK Metcalf is getting like two targets a game. I fully expect us to be having that conversation. Not only like I don't even know why the guy's still on the roster, taking up cap space, let alone while he's why he's going to be taking snaps. But that's kind of where my head's at. I'm more with Jeff that I think Metcalf, Jennings, Ursua, all those guys uh, are going to need to like earn their way onto the field uh, well beyond what any of us think they should have to do. Um, you know, Jerome Brown should not be taking snaps away from any of those guys. I actually wonder about that
2: though, because we saw, remember when uh, Chris Carson got winded from two special team snaps and like didn't oh. get to play in a half. Uh, I, are we sure that Pete's not going to fall in love with this dude and play favorites a little bit? Like I wouldn't put a I, so. it. I I mean, I, I in this situation,
0: it'd be great. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, it's possible. And honestly, like in this situation, I'd, I'd be happy about it. I, I can't say that for sure until I watch more like in person in camp, like seeing these little clips, them running around cones and stuff. All that shows is, you know, yeah, his feet move faster than maybe people were giving him credit for, and he's able to make some lateral uh, cuts that people were basically saying he would fall over like a tin man if he needed to go any direction other than straight. That doesn't seem to be true. Um, but I don't know that anything's been proven beyond that. So, I, you know, I think we, we need to see him over time. Um, I think we need to see him stay healthy. But he's an amazing athlete, and, and I think there's reason to be excited there. Um, I'm curious, guys, if there's any of the other receivers um, that are are on the roster, uh, not just that they drafted, but you know they're coming back. Is there are there any Amara Darbo fans in the group? Are there like you know,
1: you know who we need to call out that seventh round receiver? I don't know how to say his last name, John Ursua. Ursua. He's a not. He's a receiver, a player. I don't care what you want to call him to keep an eye on. He has a as an exceptional route running ability. If you go back and watch some of his college just highlights even or some of his gameplay, he has a unique knack for the slot and he could end up he was so he's predicted to go undrafted, but Seattle, I think didn't they trade up, I think, for him? I think they may have. They like a a pick from twenty twenty. He's a player that was rumored to get a lot of UDFA interest, and just keep your eye on him. He could surprise.
0: Anyone else have uh, have a, a sleeper favorite that they want to call out on the receiver group? I mean,
2: not really sleeper, but David Moore is still a very high ceiling player as well, and uh, he had a bad in the you know end of the year last year a lot of room to grow like I, i've been a little skeptical of him i think overall but like he is still someone that is maybe kind of falling under the radar and he could be someone that could actually end up you know shutting out dk Metcalf and carrie jennings and some of these guys
0: yep I, I agree with that one
3: um jeff you got any you want to call out um, i just want to say i don't buy this amara darbo hug coming from all the beat writers at all i don't know if pete's trying to motivate him I'm extremely skeptical about that uh, until he does something. I I think Nathan hit it on the head. I think David Moore's a guy. If you remember last year, like Brian, you had him as like an all-pro ceiling player. So we kind of forget because of how the season ended, how good he looked in that midpoint of the year. So I think if there's anyone outside of the rookies, because Jennings hasn't been on the field yet, or Sue, it's hard to tell. Keenan Reynolds is, I think, just a practice squad player. So I think the guy, who, other than Metcalf and Jennings with that big upside is still David Moore, who in his third year, he's such a raw player coming out of that small school. He's the guy who can still take another pretty sizable jump, especially with more playing time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like a, a crazy prediction at this point. I'm fully aware of that. And I and, uh, know that the, there's probably some snickers there. I, I still see it. I mean, I, I think that... If you look at golden Tate, for example, I mean, the third year is such a big deal. Um, you know, golden Tate went from 21 receptions and 227 yards, his rookie year, uh, 35 receptions and 382 yards second year. Um, and in his third year, he, he went for 45 receptions, 700 yards and seven, seven touchdowns, like there, there was a real progression for him. He was very raw as a receiver. And David Moore, I think, was more polished as a receiver than than Tate coming in, um, but not much more. And um, uh, you know, he's he's made, he made a really big jump from his rookie year to his second year. Um, and I think it's not unrealistic that he's going to take a big jump again this this year. You know, my my sleeper of the group is is still Malik Turner. Um, you know, I, he's a guy that. I think could push for a roster spot that nobody's talking about. And um, uh, it's going to be uphill battle for him. I think he's a guy that could push a guy like Ursua off the roster or, you know, um, uh, I think white is one of the other players that's, that's uh, an undrafted free agent that they're looking at in the nickel or the slot receiver spot. So, you know, I I think Gary Jennings, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett are locks. I think that beyond that, you know, I really, really would love to believe that they'll move on from Jaron Brown and the young players will just earn it. I just doubt it. So I think you're pretty much got four. I think Jaron Brown will be the veteran guy that they keep around. And then you got maybe one, maybe two more, two additional. And I think David Moore's got to be inside um, track for that. And then you're looking at a fight for that sixth spot. So it's going to be really, really competitive uh, on the receiver side, which, which will be fun. Um, fun to see. So um, I want, I want to see, if, do we have time guys to cover a couple more topics? I want to talk Gerald McCoy. I want to talk uh, the young linebackers at least. Um, let's stick with, with where the rookies are. And we'll finish with kind of where things are from a free agency standpoint. Um, so I, uh, Cody Barton and BBK Bember Kervin have been getting a lot of a lot of praise. Uh, Pete Carroll talked him up after rookie minicamp saying he can't remember a time that the two rookies came in and uh, really learned so well and were in such command so early. Um, Ken Norton talking glowingly about them today, but some of the best he's ever seen at this time. Uh, KJ Wright said, He's never seen rookies learn the playbook where he would start to read off the um, the defensive line stunt based off of what the formation was. And uh, they would finish the sentence cause they already knew. Um, so I'm curious, like how much are you guys buying into the hype on Cody Barton and BBK? And Nathan, let's start with you. I mean, I'm buying it. Um, i like them both a lot um they're
2: very different but um yeah i i, I really liked barton i think he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit I, mean, I know they're getting a bunch of praise but he wasn't the the sexiest pick that they made and not one that's talked about a lot but uh he just seemed like a really good player like you know finds the ball a lot like players go backwards when he tackles them you know he, he stops guys so uh, i was excited for him when they drafted him um and that he's doing well i like that makes a lot of sense i would say that it's possible that you know maybe they're talking these guys up to soften the blow for when they trade bobby um but i think that either way they're they're probably i'm sure they're doing really good
0: do you think i mean do you really think there's any chance that they trade bobby not really not at this point no i don't either i mean it's almost too late now yeah yeah, we're gonna take a quick detour on the the Barton BBK thing and talk about this for a second. So, so between these two scenarios, I give you one choice um, out of these two. Which is more likely that you're you're predicting will happen? One that they sign Bobby Wagner. Uh, actually, I give you three choices. One that they sign Bobby Wagner uh, to an extension. Two that they franchise Bobby Wagner next year, um, and then potentially let him walk after that. Or three that they don't franchise him and they just let him walk next year. Which of those three do you think will happen, Nathan? I think they extend him. You think they extend him? They sign him, yeah. Uh, Evan, where are you? Which of those three do you think is going to happen? I think it's in the
3: order you said one, two, three. Okay. And Jeff? I think they should extend him. I think the smart thing to do is probably number two.
0: Yeah, which is franchise him. Like, there's no doubt that that is the right. That is the right roster management strategy. There's there's yeah. zero in my mind, there's zero doubt that's the right way to run the business side of it. It's a terrible way to run the relationship side of it. Um, it'll be really interesting to see that the team generally errs on the side of doing the right thing from a relationship standpoint. I mean, this is the team that turned down greater trade compensation from the Patriots because for Michael Bennett because they'd already made a deal with Philadelphia. This is the team that you know, honored stuff with Houston that they've honored different trades, you know, all this kind of stuff that is very chivalrous and also, um, you know, uh, not always uh hardcore business um, point of view. So I do think that they're going to sign Bobby. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that it turns out that that's money well spent. It's really hard for me to see, like, God, that guy in New York really screwed us. I mean, he get he signs Mosley, he gets fired. I don't know that anyone else would have gotten that money. I, I think this would have been a much easier decision if, if Mosley hadn't gotten that money. Um,
1: so. Well, it's crazy because he like blew the top off the linebacker market by like three or four million. Like <laughs> that's pretty significant.
3: But can can Schneider use that as a negotiation? Like the deal was so bad, the GM got fired. Yeah, it was such an outlier. So,
1: like
3: so, I'm so glad he.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. One one deal that, you know, I kept being reminded of, that reminded me of this situation was the Sue deal. Do you remember this big mega Sue deal with the Dolphins and it was his hit on free agency and everybody was losing their minds about him and he got like what is it? Like 21 22 million a year at the time. That was insane at the time for a defensive player. I think he was the first defensive player to ever break 20 million a year. Um it, that was a deal where, speaking with different agents around the league, they would tell me saying, hey, this isn't even going to be used in negotiations because it's so out of left field. It's not even reasonable. Now, is the agent going to accept that? Is the team going to accept that? Who knows? But that has happened before. Um, now, it's, I don't think it's going to happen in this case. Bobby Wagner is literally on record saying, that's the deal to beat. I want to set the market. So what's setting the market above 17.5 million a year. What's that kind of going to probably look like 18 million a year.
2: And, and yeah, I mean, one thing there too is, you know, other agents, maybe would have looked at that Sue deal and realized it wasn't realistic, but Bobby's agent is Bobby. And so who knows how he's going to look at that. Good point.
0: Yeah. The only, I mean, let's just play it out. If, if John Schneider were to take that, tack of saying that's it. We're going to throw that deal out the Mosley deal out. It's irrelevant. And we're going to go back to what the market was before that. Bobby won't sign he'll walk. I mean, that, that's just what had happened. So I, I don't think there's, there's not a situation there where all of a sudden the Seahawks get Bobby for less, unless he hits the market, and nobody else is willing to sign him for that money. And the Seahawks value him more than anybody else. Maybe that happens. But you have to think at that point, the team's moving on.
2: Um, and Bobby's probably moved on at that point too. Like there, there's going to be hurt feelings there.
0: I would think so. I would think so. But, you know, I, I think that's the, the piece on Bobby. I still. Uh, we'll come back to the BBK and the the Barton thing, but you know, I have to admit, I'm going to be disappointed if they sign Bobby first before they sign Jaron Reed. Like to me, you've got to lock in Jaron Reed, and then and then that should influence the Bobby negotiation. If they walk, let's say they play this out and they actually get Bobby, but they don't get Jaron Reed, that's a colossal screw-up. That's a really poor decision in terms of um, position value as well as just general roster management and age and uh, implication for pass rush and other pieces. Like, You absolutely have to keep a guy like Jaron Reed around um, on the second contract. Any of you guys feel differently than that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not
2: comfortable, like, breaking the market for Reed. I think we talked about this one here a while back. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I I, I would be uncomfortable with that. I I don't know what I want to pay him, but I don't know that I think that he needs – he should be a guy that's, you know, a top-of-market guy. And I know that's just how it works with free agency, too, so that's part of the concern, but – I'm not sure he's really a guy that they just need to kind of back up a, a dumb truck full of money to
0: hmm. yeah i don't know if he needs to be uh top top of the the pyramid but i'm just talking pure priority of of who you need to lock up on the roster at the market value that they'd command i don't think jaron reed makes more than bobby um at all um so if that's not clear he's talking you're... like 16 million bobby's 18 at least yeah. well
1: there's one important thing that I just do want to note here. So in terms of extensions, when comparing Jaron and Bobby, if you're extending Jaron, it's going to raise his cap hit significantly for 2019 because he's currently on a rookie deal. He's making pennies. Whereas Bobby, it can be structured because he's currently making a lot of money that it will actually open up cap space for 2019. So that's something to keep in mind when thinking about these deals.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I, I just you know, I see people saying that they want, they want to see Jaron prove it for another year. I get it. I mean, I, I've said on this podcast before, I don't expect Jaron Reed to, to do 10 and a half sacks or, or more every year that that's not the expectation. But if you wait for him to prove it again, the price, uh, his price is going to go way up. It doesn't, it's not like you get to say, I don't want to pay 15 or 16 million for him now. I want to see him do it again. Guess what? His price is going to be like 18, 19 million if he does that. So, um. I just think it's a no-brainer. He's young. He's durable. He's a great leader within the locker room. He's produced, and he's gotten better every year. If that's, and, and he plays in the interior line, and he has eclipsed 10 sacks from the interior. Even if he only does it once in his career, the fact that he's got that as a ceiling or that he can do that, I just – I don't know who else you know you, you, you sign um, if, if that guy's not a priority. So I definitely think that, that he's got to get in there. And – this relates a little bit to well, I can take this in all these different directions. I, I want to finish on the, the the Cody Barton BBK stuff, and then we'll come back to this. Um, but but uh, Jeff or Evan, you know Cody Barton BBK. Any any are you guys buying the hype? Yes or no?
3: Jeff, you go ahead. Uh, I'd say yes on Barton, no on BBK. I think BBK to me is more of like a Heath Farwell kind of player. Maybe a little more upside, you can play more different linebacker spots. I don't think I see him much more than that. Like Nathan, I think Barn, the way they're talking about Barn and the way, like I know Brock and Salk were just raving about him, it reminds me a lot of how KJ Wright was being talked about as a rookie. And that's when that pick was made to me, that was a natural spot for him. It's he's KJ's replacement long term. I didn't. And I think he's a guy that can shift inside like KJ did in his rookie year. I think he started his first ever game inside. And I think he's the kind of like high ceiling, low, high floor player that I think will be. They haven't really had good backup linebackers since the Super Bowl years. They've been running out like Brock Coyle and Austin Calitro. And I think having a guy that can play KJ's spot if KJ's knee flares up or Kendricks isn't around. I think there's a lot to like there and I think he's your long-term starter at that spot. And that hopefully is beside Bobby.
1: I don't know if the hype is real, but, but you know, there's no better two linebackers to learn from and to study under than Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. That's super exciting to me. One player we're completely forgetting about is Michael Kendricks. I know his situation is up in the air, but I don't think he even has a, a trial date uh, or a sentencing date scheduled. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited about this position group. I think the linebacker group in the Legion of Boom era was severely underlooked and, un, you, know, you know, shadowed by Richard Sherman and all the DBs. And it's just exciting to have some young talent at the position. I think KJ Wright, this is probably his last year as a Seahawk. I know he signed a two-year extension, but I highly doubt he sees the next year of his deal. You never know what could happen with Bobby. So... I'm excited to see some young talent there and they've got some good guys to study under.
0: Yeah. I, I, I will say I'm not buying the hype yet. I'm I'm happy that they're, they're doing well. I've got to see them like they're both a little bit undersized, especially BBK until the the pads are on. And we're seeing these guys actually get off of blocks, NFL blocks and get to to backs and make plays. I'm not buying it yet to me. They're both special teams players until I see more. Um, and I hope 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 I'm completely off on this and and that they are great Um and that they're there they are these next generation the linebackers that can step forward but I'm not there yet at all um, so like, you
2: just didn't like them as college players then is that basically it
0: yeah I mean I, I on Barton's side the thing that has me most intrigued with Barton is that is how high the Seahawks took him um, they don't take linebackers that high uh other than bobby wagner you know was the only guy that they took close to where um barton was selected in the third round and um look barton like he didn't really sniff the field his first year second year it's kind of a similar argument you're making about dk metcalf uh nathan like uh, but i don't know that that production the wide receiver the wide receiver like that minimum production thing
2: is not like uh I would not take that and try to apply that to other positions. Maybe you can, but like, I have not seen any other. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking the exact numbers. I'm talking about the progression as a player. He wasn't playing at some Alabama powerhouse or Georgia. So he's playing at Utah, which is a good football school, but not great, but was struggling to get to on the field physically. It was not, you know, super gifted in that way. And, you know, even his junior year was not as much of an impact player as a senior year that he had a good solid year even then the people that followed the team uh, even Barton himself did not expect to get drafted where he got drafted. Um, I I just, I need to see it. I need Like, I think the Seahawks, the Seahawks drafted at the position that they saw the value, which makes me interested, but they definitely drafted far higher than where, where, you know, the average uh, where his production really seemed to, to, to prove. So I, I just, I have questions there. BBK, I watch a lot with the Huskies. I love watch. I love the fact that he was a very productive linebacker, but I just have a hard time seeing how he's gonna not get washed out um, by by the blocking at the NFL level. He's super undersized, and he's he was not particularly. He's not a powerful tackler. He's a guy that was like he he'd pull people down, but but was not. He was not meeting people at the line and knocking them back. So I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong, but but. Uh, those guys, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I would say pessimistic, but I'm certainly not buying, buying on them yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see what comes with PBK,
2: but like, I think you're underselling Barton a little bit. I mean, he's a, he's a half a uh, Sigma athlete. He's two thirty five. That's not at all undersized. Um, and I mean, he was, uh, you know, yeah, he's a late bloomer. He's twenty four. Age is a concern there. But uh, I, I thought he was good. I, he, he was a good football player. So. Um, that he was a late bloomer doesn't concern me that much that he is a little older like that. And I mean, those two, you know, obviously kind of go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that you're underselling him if you're just looking at him as a special teamer. I'm not saying he's going to be the next big thing, or he's going to, you know, take steel cage starting job or anything like that. Like I could see it. Um, and I, am much less certain of BBK. I think I have some of the same concerns there, but
0: I wouldn't, I think you're underselling Barton. I hope, I hope so. Um, and I am the, 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 the bar, the hype is, is really about like, this is the next generation of starting linebackers. That's what I'm referring to. I, I don't yeah. know that I buy that yet. Like these guys could definitely play backup roles and to Jeff's point, be better than some of the backups we've had. I don't, I don't doubt that. But if you're, if you're a third round draft pick, I'm expecting you're pushing for a starting position pretty damn soon, especially at the linebacker spot. It's not like the wide receiver position. Linebackers generally hit their first year or they don't. Um, you know, it, it's not a, it's a position that translates pretty well from college to the NFL. So we should know, we should know pretty soon on those guys, um, back to the defensive line. So the, the team, the team signs signs Ziggy Ansa, And the last time we were on this pod, I pretty much guaranteed they were going to sign a defensive tackle. Um, you know, and, and I expect them to sign and Sue was who I expected them to pull in. They had plenty of cap space to do it. They didn't do it he went and signed with Tampa Bay for about what we talked about, Jeff, I said around 10 million. He signed for like nine and a half guaranteed, 10 total. Um, and that was because Tampa Bay let Gerald McCoy go. And that was the dream scenario from my perspective, you know, get Ziggy Ansah, get Gerald McCoy. You don't even really need him, but you have the space for him. Bring him here on a one year deal. Uh, that's a guy where you combine those guys together in inside and out and the other players you've got on the roster. I think you have to feel really, you'd have to feel really, really good about where the pass rush would be. And what we're left with is it looks like the CX are not going to sign Gerald McCoy or even like look at him. And I'm left with wondering where else, what's their better, where they, could they better spend that money? And if you tell me it's a Bobby Wagner extension, I'm going to question that. Like, I, I think they're missing an opportunity to bring in uh, more flexibility and more potential on the pass rush. And Jeff, I, I'm kind of curious where your head's at as, as this stuff is starting to play out.
3: I, I'm surprised that they haven't even been linked to him at all. But from the second they got released, like 10 teams came out and the Seahawks were never in the mix. So I don't know if it was a price thing. I don't know if it was, maybe they're they're not high and it's what he's got left on tape. But from the second it happened, like John Clayton and all these guys, they said no right away. They said the price is too high for Seattle. I think the thing is they might do nothing with this money. They might just roll it over to next year when they have some guys to pay or they can want to be splashing free agency. They have about what 25 million cap room Some of that can be used on extensions, but there's not much left in free agency now. So if it's not McCoy and Sue's off the market and they're not signing guys to extensions, they just might not use the money at all. So it's a little confusing why they weren't a little more aggressive here because they could definitely use some more quality in the middle of that line. Al Woods is a guy they seem to really like, but he's just a run stuffing space filler. They got him at $2 million. That's what he's valued at. He's not a special player. So maybe they don't like McCoy. And maybe they think the price is too high. But it doesn't seem like there's any chance of this happening.
1: You know what my yeah. concern is? My concern is that they don't have any money available because they're budgeting for Jermaine Ifetti on top of Jaren Reed. No way.
0: Zero chance of that. Won't they have just picked up his option? That's like my greatest fear in the world
1: though, is that they would extend them. It's, uh, it's not gonna happen, dude. Why why would you pay why would you pay $13 or $14 million to a 31, 32 year old veteran to stand in front of Puna and Jaren Reed? Why I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What makes
0: you standing in front of them? Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, do you not want that youth to shine? Like I I, I just don't think like what are you offering him? A one-two year deal, like one-year year deal?
0: Oh, that to me, that to me, where is where it would break down. If if, if they if the market was strong enough for McCoy that he was going to command a multi-year deal, then I'd be out. And and if that's where it was going, I, I would. That that's enough of a reason. I get it. If he's okay, a that's deal, where I think it's going. If it's a one-year deal and it's thirteen million, I'm I'm in. I'm absolutely in. And I think
1: he has higher demand than that, though.
0: We'll find out. We'll find out. But like, I, I would just say. When has this team been at, at its best? What have we seen it at its best from a pass rush perspective? It is when they had an abundance of pass rushers they could rotate players in. You had veterans that could actually play much fewer snaps. You know, remember when Michael Bennett started here, he was getting like a third of the snaps and he was a beast, like just off the charts. He and Cliff Averill were coming off the bench to rotate in as pass rushers. So, you know, having a bunch of high-level pass rushers, this notion that, well, nah, you know Jaron Reed and, and Puna are not going to get their snaps. That's ridiculous. There's absolutely enough snaps to rotate those guys around. And if you're telling me that we're better off having Al Woods than we are having Gerald McCoy, I'm going to call absolute bull. Like there's no way that the team is better off having Al Woods than Gerald McCoy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think uh, you just might be underselling his, his demand a bit. I, I think, you know, he's got a lot of teams interested in him. I would be really surprised if it's a one-year deal.
2: I mean, Ansa just got a one-year deal, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, but Ansa's coming off like a major injury.
2: McCoy has not been the healthiest dude around either. And Sue is coming off back-to-back one-year deals now, right? I mean, uh, he had a one-year deal yes. with Rams. He got yeah. a one-year deal with yeah. um, Tampa. So, You know, him, McCoy getting a multi year deal that isn't like really, you know, low commitment that second year would would really surprise me. And even just a multi year deal at all would surprise me. And the idea that he's going to stand in front of Puna, I mean, you know, first of all, if Puna's good, Puna's going to get snaps. And they just signed Al Woods, who is a run stuffing specialist, and that is what Puna is. So, you know, if you're not gonna worry about Al Woods eating Tapuna snaps, then I'm not worried about McCoy eating just snaps. And if you look at last year, you know, Reed got eight hundred and thirty five snaps. Nobody's gonna get in front of him, right? He'll he'll get those snaps again this year. Quentin Jefferson, six hundred and twenty-six snaps.
0: I like Q Jeff, but like what's that? Get rid of him. If he's getting six hundred snaps, you're in a bad spot, dude. Right? Well, I mean I like Q
2: jeff but yeah, you can cut into those snaps, right? Like uh, Shamar Stefan already gone, 561 snaps, right? Like there are snaps to go around. So, you know, if, if this was something where you're talking about bringing in, you know, another Al Woods quality player and you could push a guy like Puna off the roster, like this is a, a Jay Howard type thing, you know, that's one thing, but like the person who's at risk here is uh DeMarcus Christmas, right. Or whatever his name is. So like, y- y- go get Gerald McCoy Spent, you know, you get $18, $19 million. You can free up even more cash. If you really want to roll some stuff into next year by getting rid of Mingo and Jerome Brown. Right? So, um, to me, it's a no brainer that they should be involved in McCoy. I'm not really sure why they aren't.
0: I'm happy to hear that. Nathan, I thought you and I are on opposite sides of this, this coin. No, no, we agree on this one. Oh, very good. That makes me happy. Uh, if it's just evan that disagrees then then i I will sleep very well at night (laughs) (laughs) i will say though dude i think you're right i think my there's a lot of interest and i think his demand i'll just tell you if it's a one-year deal and it's 13 million or less even if it's 14 million or less i think that the seahawks are crazy for not being involved absolutely crazy. would you rather have sue at what he got no. Or McCoy at 14. No. Sue, Sue like he, he's someone I would like to have better than Al Woods. Um, he is he is at least as good of a run stuffer and a more disruptive interior presence. So I think there's a reason he's getting 10 and, and Woods gets two. But give him the, the two. McCoy's actually like he is a great, he's a great locker room guy. He uh is a much better, like consistent pass rusher. Yes, he was down last year, but They asked him, they had him on the field. He was their, their featured pass rusher. He got all the attention um, from opposing offenses. You put him in a rotational position. I think that he would pop. I think he's got more to to give there. So he's just a much more dynamic player overall. And I think with less risk. So, you know, he's another guy that if you could get him on a one-year deal, there's a chance that you could get a nice, decent comp pick for him when he signs elsewhere next year. So, you know, that's another reason why I, it just it boggles my mind. I, th- I think they had a, they have a chance still, because he hasn't signed yet. They have a chance to have pretty much the perfect offseason. And it, that's the
1: one last
0: thing to, to it, really
1: cinch it. It may really come down to just hard numbers though, when you think about it. Like I just quickly referencing my cap article in terms of true cap space after practice squad IR miscellaneous stuff they have like 18 to 19 mil in true cap space for 2019. If they're budgeting to extend Jaron Reed, he's going to see a huge pay increase in 2019, a huge pay increase. So if he's being increased to, you know, he's seeing an eight, nine mil cap space, you know, decrease on the cap, they won't be able to afford Gerald McCoy without making moves to open up additional space. So, it could come down to simply he's just too expensive.
0: If you're telling me that in order to get Joe McCoy, we have to part ways with Barkevius Mingo and Jaron Brown. True, true. I, I will shed the tear, <laughs> and and gladly move on. Like, oh, I'm,
1: sh- I'm shocked Mingo is still on the roster. To be quite honest with you, like, yeah,
0: we talk yeah. about that every freaking pod. The guy, but it doesn't make roster. it doesn't
1: make sense to have like that extra, you know, camp body for like. million in additional cap space, I don't know. It's crazy,
0: it's crazy. So anyway, I I think that, you know, you guys, Jeff, uh, sorry, um, Nathan and and Evan didn't get to talk about the ANSA ANSA signing uh, when it came on. Uh, Jeff and I talked about it extensively, you know, how do you, guys? I assume you guys are positive on it, anyone, either of you uh, not
1: happy about the deal? I thought the numbers came in great 2.5 mil signing bonus, 3.5 mil base salary. That's 6 million guaranteed um, 1.5 mil roster bonuses, two of them. So if you look at over the cap, anybody who was, there were some questions surrounding this. If you look at over the cap, as has them listed as like an 8.7 something cap hit, that's simply just assuming the roster bonuses of the time he played in 2018 and switching it over to 2019. So the numbers to know for Ansa is he's for sure making 6 mil in 2019 on the cap. You know, if he dies tomorrow, he's making 6 mil for this, against the Seahawks. But based on how healthy he is, it could go up to 9 million. And I believe he has sack incentives beyond 9 million, but we don't know the details of those.
0: What about you, Nathan? Any, any quick thoughts on the, the answer signing?
2: No, I think it's great. I mean, I'm shocker. I'm, you know, skeptical. I'm cautious about what he can actually contribute. Uh, but it's, you know, it's no risk. It's a smart gamble. It's uh, yeah, it's great.
0: So, uh, I think we've hit, we've hit most of the, the top, the top items tonight. Um, anything else that I'm missing guys that, you know, you want to talk about Travis Homer? I know Nathan wants to talk more about running backs. Uh, Travis Homer will have a better year than Rashad Penny. Travis Homer will have as good a year
2: as Rashad Penny. Running backs don't matter. And so whatever he gets whenever he gets on the field, he will be just as good.
0: Uh, Josh wants to talk about backup QB. I don't I just don't want to talk about it real depressing I've heard
3: I've heard Paxton Lynch is fucking terrible.
0: <laughs>
3: I've heard, like, heard terrible.
0: like it's like a newsflash, Jeff. <laughs> I know but like I just heard he's
3: beyond terrible No like, no
1: John Elway is a QB guru. He's good.
3: He's good. He already looks like a, like a giant ostrich out there, but like can't hit like a hitch route. <laughs> like Geno Smith is not a bad backup quarterback. I'm I, not not I would bad. take
1: Geno Smith 100 times, a hundred times over Paxton Lynch every day.
3: I don't know, man.
2: Geno Smith had an opportunity to replace Eli, and somehow will look worse than Eli.
1: At least like, he can run. He's not a
3: bad backup quarterback.
2: Paxton Lynch can run.
3: Oh, bullshit. Like, you can
1: miles run an, He's hour. an
2: athletic quarterback.
1: <laughs> oh, that's like a giraffe running down the football field. Nah, a giraffe be real. might be
2: better than Austin. I mean, so is Kaepernick, but, like, these dudes, he can run. He can move. Oh, stop. He can scoop.
1: He's got run. sneaky speed. You just run wildcat with Gino if Russell goes down.
0: Gino is not a wildcat quarterback. Come on, man. <laughs> like, that is, like, borderline, like, like racially insensitive. So <laughs> he he. He is a, but I do remember in the preseason last year with the Chargers, he owned us. He made our backup quarterbacks look foolish because he was, he was, well, he made our defense look foolish. But I definitely was envious of having a veteran QB that knew what he was doing. Did uh, he really? Oh yeah, he owned us in the in the preseason. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, the
3: Chargers. Uh, last year.
0: Yeah, so I I think there's no doubt that he wins it. I think the I think Paxton Lynch is as bad as Jeff's saying and will go down in history as a great Seahawk because he's the guy that the, that Elway traded up for to get our draft pick in the first round that we were able to turn into a, uh, a bunch of other valuable picks.
3: Um, One of Adams' favorite players.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, otherwise uh, you know, we haven't talked about Michael Dixon, but I, I think we'll leave that for another day. I mean, there's, he's having a very quiet offseason. I can only imagine he's going to come out and, you know, somehow figure out how to punt the ball six miles in the air. Um, Can I just
1: say how excited I am about our new kicker? I am so stoked to have a a good kicker. And you guys should be too. You should be excited.
0: How come come you didn't buy a, a kicker jersey? There you go. Ooh.
1: No comment. I have no sassy. Yeah, about it.
3: Put your, <laughs> put your money where your mouth
0: is. Yeah. Um, all right, fellas. I think we're, uh, we're at the end. I, I will close out with, um, uh, a nice quote from, uh, from Mr. Dwayne Brown, uh, in his press conference this week that said, I actually think our O-line has a chance to be the best in the league. What a turnaround. What changed?
1: <laughs> what changed hmm
0: yeah I, I think uh, I think we will find out it's interesting that all of you just kind of accept that as a real statement um, of possibly happening um, we'll they, find were, out.
3: they were top ten last year weren't they
0: they depending on
2: how you wanted to look at them they rated very well yeah
3: and yeah. i potty is getting good reports he's probably better than Sweezy he, yeah, I think I, I think talking about
2: guys that fans are sleeping on a little bit. I think I good. And then, um, he had a lot to say about, um, it Hayes or Haynes? Phil, Phil Haynes. Haynes. Yeah. Yep. He said some good stuff about him too.
0: Yeah. It's a matter of, uh, whether you can stay healthy. Uh, I think that's gonna be a big, big piece of it. So, hey fellas, uh, thank you uh, again, folks. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, it takes two seconds. Click subscribe on the YouTube channel, share it with other people, write a review, Really quick way. Uh, It's great to see those show up on iTunes. Um, It helps us out as well. Uh, Subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, um, uh, iTunes. Did I say that? (laughs) Stitcher, all that good stuff. You know where you listen to the podcast. Um, And then, you know, join up on patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, if we were to take the time to organize uh, a larger Hawk blogger, get together as a, as a fundraiser for, for Ben's fund, um, hit us up, let us know on Twitter. Um, let us know in the chat and other places. And, uh, we'll see about, uh, getting the guys together for something like that. Uh, probably after training camp, you know, or right around the training camp when we can talk about what's going on. So, uh, with all that, thank you
1: and, uh, have a wonderful night. Go Hawks.